0: Thank you for tuning in to Career Conversations, an audio series created for the University of Washington alumni community, where we focus on deeper topics to help you create and sustain a fulfilling career. I'm your host, Michaela Gormley. I'm a proud University of Washington alum who graduated in 2009 from the Foster School of Business. I'm an active member of UW Alumni Community, a former member of the Alumni Association's Gold Council, and I'm so excited to be back as the host for this series. The topic of today's career conversation is transitioning into leadership, and I'm thrilled to be joined in this conversation by Katherine Bashi. At the core of her work with individuals and teams is the belief that all are brilliant, resilient, and capable to achieve excellence. She works with leaders who want to help their teams become high-performing, while creating a positive work environment and managing conflict and stress along the way. Her clients say that she is gifted in creating a gracious space for important and sometimes difficult conversations to take place. She uses multiple modalities in her work with individual coaching clients as well as with teams, drawing on appreciative inquiry, systems thinking, and organizational change theory as well as the martial art of Aikido, emotional and somatic intelligence, liberating structures, graphic and visual representations, and even poetry. Catherine has degrees from Georgetown, the University of Massachusetts, and Seattle University, along with certifications in executive coaching and leadership embodiment coaching. She is currently a consultant for the University of Washington Professional and Organizational Development Organization along with being a certified executive leadership coach. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Michaela. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Um, and I'm just reading through your bio here and thinking how perfect this conversation is for the two of us. And I'm so excited to learn a little bit more from you. Oh, thank you. Okay, so before we get started, I like to ask this kind of fun question. Um, I know things have changed a little bit over the years, but you are uh, you do work with UW. And so do you get to spend any time on UW's campus? And if you do, which campus is it? And do you have any favorite spots, hidden kind of quiet spots on campus or any
1: any place you like to go? Well, yes, I do spend time on University of Washington campuses. Um Mostly at the on the Seattle campus. I've also spent some time at the Bothell campus. Um, but at the Seattle campus, uh, the one, some spots that I like is there's this little garden. It's called, I think this is how you say it, Grieg Garden, G-R-I-E-G. And it's kind of tucked away. Um, and uh, I had a chance to take a yoga class there uh, a few oh, years cool. ago uh, through the whole U. And then Drummiller Fountain, I mean, that is such an iconic place. And uh, I love to go there slowly and watch the people. So it's great people watching space. And it's also such an expansive space. And you know, looking at the vistas, Mount Rainier when the mountains out. And it reminds me of, you know, how in leadership we need to have vision. We need to have a sense of what's on the horizon. Um, and so that's, why, yeah. that's one of the reasons why I love that space, the Drummiller Fountain.
0: I love it there. It is actually the background on my cell phone right now ah. is a picture. It was a beautiful day. I had gone to see um, the cherry trees in the quad and it was a beautiful, clear day. The mountain was out and, you know, it's just perfect when you look down the vista and the fountain. Um, anyway, so it's one of my favorite spots too. I think that's an that's an excellent pick. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm excited to talk about our topic today of transitioning into leadership. Um, And I think that that can mean so many different things and look so many different ways for people. And in talking with you, your perspective is so great on it. So before we get really into it, can you tell us a little bit about how you define leadership um, in the context of someone's career? Are you talking more about like becoming a manager, a specific role, or is there more to it than that?
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of times, you know, people do think of leadership in terms of a title or a role, um, and that certainly does signify a level of leadership, but I do think it's more than that. And I like a a definition that one of my, one of the people that I follow, Otto Scharmer, he is is a researcher and social scientist at MIT and he talks about leaders are people who engage in creating change or shaping their future regardless of their formal position in institutional structures so that really means that we're all we all have the capacity and the capabilities of becoming leaders. It's beginning with ourselves. You know, what are we leading? What is what is our purpose? What's our mission? And leading ourselves first. And then how do we influence others in joining us in that purpose? I think ultimately leadership is about influencing how that happens, for what purpose, and what impact does that influence have? That is so great. Okay, will you tell me his name again or that his yeah. name again it's his name is Otto O-T-T-O and his last name is Sharmer S-C-H-A-R-M-E-R Otto Sharmer
0: oh I love that quote I'm gonna to have to to look him up and see what else I can learn from him okay so we have sort of a working definition of sort of a place of influence is is how we're talking about leadership today um And can you say more about how someone can sort of start to look for those opportunities of leadership or influence? um, And how do they move toward those leadership roles in their career?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think a lot of... sort of developing that sense of influence. It's a lot around relationship building and relationship Mm -hmm. building that goes beyond, you know, networking. Uh, it's really, how do you make a contribution? How do you make a, a deeper contribution where you are in whatever place you may be working already? How do you cultivate deeper relationships? Um, sometimes it's, you know, asking a manager, um, to be involved in a particular project, to, to be involved sure. in some more strategic conversations. I think we move from sort of transactional work in in the workplace uh, to more strategic work. In strategic work, we're talking about, you know, what's the ultimate purpose, what's the vision, um, and how to contribute to that. Uh, and I think that the, that's a, a way of of shifting from, you um, shifting into more responsible and more leadership type roles is by deepening those those connections and those relationships. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that sometimes that can happen in a person's workplace, but it really depends on the workplace and on the context. And sure, I think if it's not possible, so if people don't feel like they can, or there's really not a lot of opportunity, maybe they, they work in a small organization, then there's right. also Chances to look outside of that um, for opportunities to develop uh, leadership um, leadership opportunities places where you know people can engage in a more strategic way. Sometimes that can be through volunteering um, on the board of a nonprofit, for example, or on a committee. If a board. Leadership that's like right. too much, then maybe on a committee uh, for a nonprofit that you know, someone really um, whose mission someone is really uh, dedicated to. Also, I mean, there are other programs that are a little bit more intensive. Uh, many counties have what they call sort of Leadership Tomorrow, is a is a is, for example, one in King County, and it's a program that is for uh, mid level or, or career uh, people who who want to you know they want to make a deeper contribution and learn with within a cohort of their peers and also have a context in which to practice leadership i think that's the thing about leadership wow. it's not just something you read about it's actually oh. how do you practice it right how do you get into right. a context and practice leadership yeah
0: that's kind of the whole how <laughs> it's kind of the, how leadership works right you can't just read a book and say, well, now I'm a leader. It's like, well, you, it's part of how you interact with other people. So, um, yeah, that's a good point that you don't always think about, like, you have to practice, you have to be
1: amongst other people and, and work on those skills. Yeah. And sometimes people make mistakes and that's sure. okay. Yeah. Mean, that's how we learn. <laughs> that's how we come back and, you you know, get sharpen our saw, you know, that's, that's one, one of the ways that we learn.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've definitely all been around leaders who have made mistakes. I'm sure mm-hmm. I've been around a few, and I've probably been one of those from time to time as well. So, uh, learning from those and just trying to get better. And uh, I, I didn't know about these sort of county level organizations. That's such a such a cool opportunity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, are you talking about like the Leadership Tomorrow type of organization? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's, yeah. Some, you know, there's, uh, there's, you know, different counties have them and they're nonprofits themselves, right? And and sure. they're dedicated to serving other uh, public sector organizations, nonprofits and public sector organizations, and doing so by um, kind of training a group of mid-level or early level uh, career professionals who want a different context, right? They're looking for another opportunity and it's a mix of, sure. you know, theories or of lectures and, you know, presentations as well as the opportunity to uh, make a contribution in a, in an organization, something that perhaps they wouldn't otherwise have a chance to to work on, you know, a unique opportunity and, um, and learn a lot from other people. And I think when we're with other leaders um, we learn a lot and that that's part of that, you know, developing uh, relationships and being within a cohort that um, you really get to know people, you get to really know what, what they're doing in their work. And it, I mean, it's true networking, right? Really, um, just really rolling up your sleeves and working together, getting to know each other. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That is really awesome. That's a, a cool opportunity. Um, okay. So we've talked about some opportunities and where people might find those. Let's talk about what would you say are some attributes that maybe make someone a skillful leader? And we can also maybe go into how does someone go about developing some of those skills? So what what would you say those skills are or those attributes are? And then um, maybe some ways to develop those if we know that we're not the strongest at them.
1: Yeah. That's such a great question. Um, and I, I've been thinking about this a lot. And, and in my work, um, when I think about when I'm coaching people, uh, coaching executives, our leaders, um, working with teams, the, there are four areas that that um, that I end up, you know, thinking about and Right. And I think about sort of four sort of intelligences. Um, oh, and okay. we commonly think about, you know, intellectual intelligence or IQ, right? We've heard a lot about sure. IQ. It's, some, it's been in our yeah. vocabulary for a long time. And so we understand that sort of intellectual acuity and the ability to to make meaning. And it's really focused on knowledge. And it's really, it's one of the most common. But then, you know, over the years... Um, more intelligences have become, have surfaced. So for example, emotional intelligence. And that was something that was um, studied and then popularized by Daniel Goleman um, in 1995. And that emotional intelligence is now something we hear about a lot in terms of a leadership skill and the development of leaders is, you know, how do we recognize our own emotions? Like how do we you know, there was this idea that you know, you came to work and you left your emotions at the door. That that's an <laughs> right. old idea. Like that doesn't that's not true. Like you, of course you bring your emotions with you, but what do right. you do with them? How do you manage sure. them? Um, and skillful leaders have a really keen uh, awareness of that for themselves. They're able to uh, to um, you know assess the emotions. Um, uh, in a room, right. Reading the room, um, assess the mood of a place. And, and they're able to assess, you know, when a mood is constructive or when it's destructive. Um, there's a lot of, you know, people have a lot of leverage with how they show up in their, with their moods. You think about, you know, gratitude is an, is an example of, of an emotion that is, um, that is really constructive. It's very generative, and you know we speak sure. about people do keep gratitude journals. I mean, it's one yeah. of the most, actually, one of the most generative emotions that we that we can have. And the reason why people keep gratitude journals is to develop that um, that appreciative inquiry and develop that sense of it's a virtuous reinforcing loop. The more we appreciate things, the more things appreciate it's just it's it's ongoing oh i love that and then yeah. you know by contrast you know we can think of other emotions that are not um productive right and right. you think about you know just by an example the 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 emotion of resentment and you know mm. if we carry resentment how do we how are we in the world if we carry resentment, you know, and, and how does that spread into the places where we are? And, um, and it has, it also reinforces, but the reinforcement is more on the negative side. Um, So, so as when you're thinking about EQ or emotional intelligence, it's really having a knowledge of this, having an awareness of, ourselves in that emotional space and how we impact others and how we are impacted by others and having ways to regulate and manage our emotions um, so that we can come, you know, show up skillfully um, in leadership moments.
0: Yeah. I think of good leaders who I've experienced in my life and how well they could not just shut off their emotions, not just be a robot, you know, not just be a blank slate or a face um, but recognize their emotions recognize how they might be influencing their interaction with the people around them and also recognizing the emotions of the other people that they're interacting with right yeah recognizing that the other people come into their interactions with emotions and lives and feelings and all of those things as well right if you had something horrible happened or maybe you just got stuck in traffic or whatever it is you spilled coffee all over you or hopefully not but you know other hard things happen in life and those all come into play um especially at work when you're there all day every day or or whatever your schedule might be
1: yeah for sure and i you know i think you're you're right you know being in a, a um a leader who can recognize the emotions of others and just um, it's like it, it it really forces people to slow down and pause and just, and notice what's happening. What's, what are the emotions here? Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's a real art. Yeah, it is. And I think sometimes one that
0: gets a little bit dismissed as as not as important Mm -hmm. as maybe, um, intellectual intelligence like you were Mm -hmm. talking about earlier. Um, but, but can make a huge difference in, um, in those, in those leadership roles, whether they're formal, formal or informal.
1: That's right. Yeah. I think another area which, um, I, I, I work with leaders with is, um, something i call embodied intelligence or body intelligence and and that's Uh-oh. a new term um it comes out yeah, of yeah i don't know that one yet yeah it comes out of the martial arts uh the martial art of aikido and and also the the discipline of mindfulness which you know mindfulness has been around for a very sure. long time it is not right. you know <laughs> it's a couple thousand years um, and we're just finally you mean realizing you really did come up with it for this i didn't come up for with this it show? No. and and you know where i think we're finally recognizing how valuable it is. Um, sure. And um, in that, you know, the embodied intelligence for me is is just a recognition that, you know, leadership is not just in our heads. Um, oh, we can't think yeah. our way through all of our problems and, you know, and all of our leadership challenges that we bring our whole bodies um, and that our bodies um, store a lot of wisdom and knowledge. And, um, and it can help us, you know, sense what's happening, help us regulate our own responses, for example, to stress or pressure um, mm-hmm. and enable us to to come back to places of being centered and accessing um, more of our intellectual capacities in the moment. Because when we're stressed or under a lot of pressure, the uh, our access to some of our creative thinking and problem solving and even um, managing information really it it narrows and be, we become much more focused mm. on, you know, managing the 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 stressor in the moment and less about intuition, uh, creativity, resourcefulness. Our mind literally yeah. starts to narrow. The capacities start to narrow. So when we become when we can when we can um, understand that and observe that in ourselves, then we can reset. We can recenter um, and come back to those capacities that we admire in leaders, you know, that ability to process information, that ability to be compassionate and yet also strong, Um, the ability to be creative and resourceful. All of those things require us to, you know, have access to our greater mind. And sometimes our mind gets uh, really preoccupied with sort of feeling threatened and at danger um, when we're in situations that are stressful. Um, So I think, so this body intelligence is is very useful and it's becoming more something that is taught in leadership development courses and in leadership training is this, how do we really tune into what's happening in our bodies and how can that help us respond more skillfully in those moments of pressure and stress?
0: I love that idea. Yeah, that is... Not necessarily an idea I've heard before in a leadership setting, but definitely one that I've heard outside of that. So it would make perfect sense, right? That that is also part of of all of this conversation as well.
1: Yes. Like well, that. you know, we privileged um, the intellect a lot in Western society. Right. And particularly <laughs> right. at universities. Um, right. And... Um, and I think in doing so we may have missed some other capacities that we are also part of who we are. I think, you know, sometimes we think of our bodies as, you know, our sort of transportation devices for our heads. But actually our yep. bodies like we're totally connected. And we're oh. missing <laughs> We're missing information if we don't actually connect with the rest of our bodies. Isn't that funny? It's, yeah. I, it's like
0: um when you are so overwhelmed this happens to me I hope this happens to other people too sometimes and you're just fighting it you're like no I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and your body says no and you'll have some sort of funny physical reaction that your body is just like no I'm at my limit this I'm too stressed I'm too whatever it is and it's like okay even my brain couldn't couldn't take that over
1: yes Yeah. Uh, yeah you know I'm just looking over here at my desk and there's this quote <clears throat> that I have okay. um, on a post-it note, and I just want to read it to you. It's um, okay. Let me hear. It's by a man called. His name is Viktor Frankl, and he wrote a okay. book called *Man's Search for Meaning*. Um, Viktor Frankl is a Holocaust survivor, and um, he became a scientist uh, when he came mm. after the World War II, and he came, was able to come to the United States. And okay. um, and he he writes this between stimulus and response there is a space in that space is our power to choose our response in our response lies our growth and freedom and so I, so what you're just talking about there wow right the overwhelm I, oh my gosh i'm overwhelmed my body is telling me to pause stimulus i'm overwhelmed my body is saying take a break take a take a breath Right. Find some space. And right. then that space is where you find, is where you have choice to respond in a way that is more skillful. But sometimes we just keep going. We have sort of this um, this drive, this sort of default mode of go, 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 go. And we, that's when we're missing. We're missing it. We're not getting all the information. Right. And why would we I want to make that. decisions without all the information? That is a very good question, but sometimes that is,
0: it it seems to be what we do. I love that you just have that sticky note on your desk. I might need to add that to my desk (laughs) too. Yes, I have a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. That's so, that's so great. This has been part one of Career Conversations, a conversation about transitioning into leadership. Be sure to listen to part two for the rest of this conversation.